that comes. It's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 44 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I'll be hosting Devin Williams. I try to layer images. I try to layer my style and my brand so that there, there's it's multiple layers of what people see, and it stands out a little bit from the next from the masses. And so that's that's my challenge, like on the daily, of being able to continue to be an artist and uh, um, a photographer. Devin is a photographer in Nashville, Tennessee. He hangs out of helicopters and rides speedboats, usually with a camera in his hands. He's been a professional photographer for more than a decade. After graduating from Cumberland College, where he played baseball and earned a business degree. In this episode, we hit on his early years living in Sarasota, Florida. How his mom, a single parent, was able to be so involved in his life and the impact she made. Devin and I also talked about a passion for detailing cards in our teenage years, and we shared some funny stories about that experience. Who Devin hung out with during those years also made a big impact on his work ethic. Not having a lot of money helped motivate him to have a strong work ethic at a young age. I could relate because that was my story as well. He also talks about the importance of having empathy for others and ourselves. I loved hearing about what motivates him when he goes out for a photo shoot. When he looks at his photos, they take him back to an experience, and that is a big part of what he shoots for, a memorable experience for his clients. Photography, like real estate, is a crowded industry, and Devin shares how he tries to make his work stand out. If you want some great shots of the downtown skyline, you might just have to wake up super early to get the best images, and Devin talks about why he does that. We also hit on the importance of thinking before we speak, specifically towards relationships. Before we dive in, I wanted to make a quick mention that I am in real estate. I do residential real estate in and around Nashville. And I recently put together a short ebook on 18 credit questions to consider before buying a home. I am personally under contract to purchase uh, my own personal residence and actually sell ours. And actually, it happened a little quicker than I had expected, and I had not been paying really close attention to my credit score. In order to get the best credit score on the you know on the loan, I did have to uh, actually apply a couple of these uh, questions, and I got my credit score up uh, pretty quickly. So that was pretty nice, very applicable. Um, and actually, the uh, I sat down with the lender, which is where I got some of this content from uh, that I work with, and. We sat down for about three hours and had a previous podcast called Music City Real Estate Show. And actually, to be honest, I had changed some stuff. I'm not sure if it's still out there. But anyway, so uh, check out the show notes to um, to find out more about the, uh, the, the 18 credit questions to consider before buying a home. And now, without further ado, let's hear the conversation Devin and I had in the Rambler. All right. Hello, Nashville. Today, I am hanging out with Devin Williams in uh, Two Rivers Park. And thankfully, the shade is out today. We've got a little overcast. Yep. Thanks for joining me in the Rambler. 
That's cool space. Such a cool space. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, that's I always love to hear that like right off the bat because it really makes me feel good and yeah. so it gets me motivated for the game. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's start out. Just tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Kind of what what gets you excited to get out of bed every day. Originally from Florida, I've been here for 14 years, and you know how most stories start out. Uh, I stayed because of a girl, and then um, fell in love with Nashville. And um, I just I love the people here, and then photography is my passion. So every day, it's just a matter of uh, not if I'm going to shoot, but what I'm going right. to shoot, and and how uh, how I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so that uh, that what that's what gets me up every day. Cool. Typ- typically about five o'clock, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I know you said early. What time do you get do you get to bed? Uh, twelve, one, somewhere really? there. Wow. Yeah, I, don't, I only sleep. I, I was talking to my mom about it because she's got an Apple Watch too, and I think we both only sleep like four or five hours. Are she, you serious? My mom still gets up at five o'clock. She goes to the gym five o'clock in the morning wow. every day. Consistency. So, do you make it back to Sarasota often? Not as much as I should, but I, I try to at least a couple couple times a year because my brother, uh, my younger brother, he's got three kids, so mm. to try to see see them before they yeah. get you know they grow like weeds. So. Yeah. Try to make it back as, as uh, much as I can. So we were talking about the the beauty of Siesta Key because it's probably still one of the number one beaches in the it's definitely US, in the, I don't know if it's number one, but it's definitely in the top ten. Oh, and I it, think it's in it, the top five. And it's it, always it been. has been. Yeah, yeah. So for all the people that go to Destin, like venture out, <laughs> head down to Siesta Key, Sarasota. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's only, um, it's only three four hours more. I know. No, I, I mean, depending on if they're coming from, uh, you know, Nashville. And you don't have any area. red lights. Uh, I mean, a few, but you know, you yeah. can just hit seventy five. Bunch of old people. You know. Yep. Yep. Actually, that was a funny thing talking about Bradenton when we first, um, uh, the first time we stayed there, and we went to Walmart, and it was like, you had to park half a mile away from the center because they were all handicapped spots yeah. and then you go in and it's like all the buggies it's like oh my god this is killing me i just want to get to the beach yeah <laughs> parking lots full of mercedes benz bmw True. and they got those fuzzy steering wheel covers like yeah. yeah it's it's pretty funny yeah yeah all right so uh let's start out um talking about when you took your first step as a baby um what do you remember about that moment uh were you scared and I was joking. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about some fond memories you you ha- you recall as a child. Maybe not your first step. I um, mean, unless you can remember it, you know. <laughs> no, I'm I'm sure. If you asked my mom, she'd tell you that I was all over the place. Oh. But uh, I don't know. Just fond memories, like since we were talking about the beach, I, I went to uh, a private school called ODA Outdoor Academy, and it's literally like. We at that time you could walk out of school and, and the beach was literally like 150 yards. Wow! So growing up, uh, I was pretty much a water baby, just always being around the water, the ocean. So most of the memories are just like being around that. And then I had a decent uh, decent amount of my family was in business, so I was always I was working from hustling from a young age. Yeah, and um, you had one brother, you said. Yeah, younger brother. He's uh four years four years younger than me. Were y'all close? Yeah, pretty close. We fight a decent amount, but pretty close. I always like asking these brother questions because I have three boys, and yeah. the first two are two and a half years apart, and then the next one's like five, and the first two are just like at it. Like, I was sitting downstairs yesterday uh, last night typing up these questions, and all of a sudden I hear Graham, the middle one, just wailing, and I'm just like, oh my god, because I mean, he's got a lot of drama, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, how old and is he again? He's 
nine. Oh yeah, and the others eleven. Life is so rough for him. I right know now. it is. <laughs> and, and all it was was um, a hanger fell on his Lego that he built. <laughs> I'm like, and it was his, brother's, it comes his brother's fault. Yeah, oh, yeah. Of course it was because he was just, they're aggravating him. You yeah. know. But I was just like, I told Graham, I was like, I can't help it, man. Your your drama is just hilarious. Like it is so extreme. You know. Anyway, so I always like to ask, uh, see how you know the sibling relationships were growing up you know i think uh it, it him and i were probably like that growing up we were always kind of at each, at each other we played but you know fought a decent amount and i think as we got older and, and more mature it was just more of an understanding than it was like you know just being at, at each other's throats because you know we both we both love each other it was just yeah. we were young and dumb and we're always getting on each other's nerves part of it yeah right? yeah all right, so now let's step into your teen years. Uh, what were those like, and how did your family and environment begin to shape you? I was my mom, a single parent, like raised by my mother and uh, basically a lot of women. Uh, I was always into sports, and if I wasn't into sports, like she kept she kept me so busy that I really couldn't think about anything. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. really interested in in girls or anything because I was playing uh, soccer, baseball, football. All the way up into high school, and then I stopped uh, stopped playing football, stopped playing soccer, and then just uh, continued to play baseball. And then that's essentially why I ended up here. But yeah, I mean, teen years were pretty much jam packed with like leadership camps, wow. uh, baseball. So how did she do all that? I mean, I'm assuming she worked. To be honest, I don't know. It's a it's a mystery how she did everything that she did with my brother and I by herself. Was she able to be involved in going to the games and stuff as oh, well? Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, she's she's legit like superwoman. So she basically had no life except you guys. I, I would imagine no, she, it working. Um, yeah, I mean, she literally did everything. And then to this day, like you know, thinking about my when I'm dealing with stuff and I'm just like crying about something simplistic. I'm like, you're crying for no reason. Your mom did ten times as much as you did. Right. Didn't complain at all. Never right. heard a complain, and and somehow made it. So mm-hmm. it just uh, you know puts it in perspective. Yeah. Did you like, uh, well, I guess baseball was your favorite sport? Yeah, I just didn't, uh, football, I played up until my junior year and I just didn't like it. Now, were hit. you the size you are now? No. Okay. I was, I was 180 pounds soaking wet in high school. Um, and I didn't, I, I didn't like getting hit. Yeah. I mean, at that, at that time, it was like right on the cusp where high school seniors were like our offensive line, everybody was over 200 pounds. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, it wasn't, um, they weren't running like four sixes and four sevens right. like they, they are now. But, you know, the, the guys were a lot bigger than me, and I just didn't like getting hit every time you go to practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I quit football and, and played baseball and went on to college, and that's how I ended up here because I, I played uh, at Cumberland. Yeah. And so was it fun fun growing up in Sarasota? Was it fun being by the uh, the ocean and having yeah. that? Yeah, know? it was cool. It, it's, it's How was the culture in Sarasota like from a – from because I always every time I went it was just kind of you just think of a tourist and fun but obviously it's a city and a pretty decent sized city too right yeah it, it I mean it, it is it's all it's kind of uh, I wouldn't say it's as laissez faire as what the Keys is but it's it's pretty it's pretty laid back like you know because it's so nice that there's really not too much going on because it's not a huge uh, huge city mm-hmm. but um, it's it's mostly like it's a big arts community you know like Ringling Brothers is there. And it just like the downtown main area is a lot where, you know, you just go down there and walk around. There's bars, restaurants, uh, movie theaters downtown. So it's, yeah. it's um, I'd say, like a middle ground city. 
but you know, with the beach beach life, it's kind of a little bit a little bit slower pace. Yeah. Did you work? Did you even have time to work growing in high school? Or yeah, I you did. Yeah, I started I started hustling. Um, yeah. I was detailing cars and right in high school you. and, and cutting yeah. grass because my mom her uh, her idea was like you know I'll I'll supply the basics for you the necessities and anything outside of that mm-hmm. like that's up to mm-hmm. you and you know that was back in the Tommy Hilfiger Jordan yeah. you know <laughs> exactly. he, he, like you know you know when the Penny Hardaways came out oh. it was like you know I was, yeah, did you have friends that had a lot of money yeah yeah, yeah. I went to a private school like oh, I, right. okay. yeah I mean man your mom did work hard for y- you. yeah I was one of the, uh, nine black kids in the whole school and there's like a hundred and 175 kids okay and so yeah like everybody a majority of the kids going there had money that i was friends with and you know like we'd go i'd go play and hang out with them at their freaking mansions Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so that was just like the inspiration from a very young age to be like okay if you want something you gotta you gotta hustle like it's not gonna be handed to you and so i think um which I've, is really, I've always had that. Which mindset. is in, which is interesting because you know you have a lot of adults talk about you know you are the best of the five people you surround yourself with and stuff like that. And I was the same boat. My single, well, my mom you know had some boyfriends, but a lot she was single, and um, she worked at a store down there. And if I needed or wanted anything, yeah, I had to buy it. And the hill figure, and that was about the extreme I went. Like the hill figure, I didn't get the gerbos or. Or the Jordans, you know, I was yeah. British Knights, you know, and pay less. Or, or like a starter jacket, you know, <laughs> it was a big deal. Yeah, and, but my one, my best friend, he had money, you know, and uh, and thankfully his parents paid for you know stuff here and there for us. But but you know, I wonder how much of that pushed me, you know, and, and not even thinking about it because like wanting to be like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not so much like that, but just working hard to, you know, have more money and you know. I th- I think um, it, it it was similar for for me. It was just being able to see the differences because at that time, like we lived we lived in the hood. We lived in a, in a nice house, but we were in the hood, and so seeing you know both ends of the spectrum and yeah. kind of what was possible, it was just like you know even if you don't reach the top, you can fall somewhere in the middle, which would be better right. than than you know um, where you're at. So that was I think. Uh, my my mindset from from the teen years of just uh yeah you know hustling and doing what i could just to you know, be able to buy stuff do stuff and like you know go hang out with them right. when they're going places like to the arcade or whatever else like she wasn't going to pay for that so right. you know that was just my challenge like oh if i can go cut a few yards or get them because at that time i wasn't driving i literally had my trailer was just a small square probably like a little bit bigger than the size of that table uh, with a drop down gate and i would put yeah. Uh, lawnmower in there and I would try to get four and five yards in the same neighborhood my mom had a Dodge Caravan she used to go drop me off unhook it and I would cut as many yards in that neighborhood as I could and then that was that's how it started so when did you start detailing cars after you mowed for a bit yeah because our our next door neighbor he was a professional detailer uh, and he he would detail his truck outside this is right after we moved he would detail his truck every every weekend like every weekend and so i'd go out there and hang out with him and he showed me how to do it i think at that time i was like 13 14 mm-hmm. and so as soon as as soon as i was able to start driving yeah that's what i was doing because i saw the money in it and i worked at a school and like you know you walk you get to school yeah, really? and you see you know you're walking through the parking lot you see how many cars there and so i made flyers and just started sticking them in the teacher's mailboxes and yeah hitting them up and and you know it just uh it just grew from grew from there yeah i guess i was all I, that's what I, I mowed like a few yards and then i just hated the dirt and stuff 
And so I like detail on and, and allergies. See, yeah, allergies were a huge part of it. Yeah. So funny story. I was cleaning a um, a truck and I go to the car wash. It was a extended cab Chevy, and um, pull in. And I'd always, you know, probably had an aggressive tendency to me in driving, and uh, tend would show off sometimes, probably. And so and and you know back then those Chevys had like that three fifty. So that's oh yeah, power. it was a big deal. So I pull in. I was gonna wash it at the car wash first, and then take it to his house and wax it. Um, so I wash it and then I back out and I gun it. Ground's wet. No, I didn't see a pole right in my blind spot. Uh. I literally nailed it in his truck. And, uh, I mean, cause the, the, the bar went like, right, you know, the, the door thing anyways. Yeah. I hit it and I'm like, Oh my gosh. I mean, I have to go back to his house. Yeah. And, uh, so I go back to this house. I told the wife cause the husband wasn't there and. You know, he had the truck for so long and never been in a wreck. Yeah. And, and so I ended up paying the deductible. So that whole weekend, I worked my butt off for nothing yeah. for the deductible. Yeah. And then later on, um, they get a call. Um, there was video surveillance, obviously, and they saw the truck and tied it back to me. And they're like, hey, dude, he hit the bricks. And I had to, I don't think I had to pay, but yeah. So I bought that for uh, washing <laughs> and waxing and blowing a whole weekend. I wrecked somebody's vehicle. <laughs> But yeah, I always, always loved it. And now I take the, I have the unlimited Mr. Car Wash. Me too. 20 bucks. Can't beat it's, it. It's great, right? Yeah. Although it is tough because sometimes I still want to. I actually, my wife made fun of me the other day because the Forerunner, the chrome part, it didn't get it clean. Yeah. You got to get in there with like a toothbrush. Yeah. You know? And uh, so it's still tough sometimes to not want to like go spend another 30 minutes cleaning it. But man, it does a good, great job. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I do it to where like yesterday, I just drove through. Normally, I'll dry it off, dry it off, and, right. and just like you know, do windows and stuff. But yesterday, I was just like it was pollen and stuff, so I just drove through it. I didn't, I didn't um, dry it off. But yeah, have you so, ever driven through it twice in the same same go around? Uh, no, but I've, you can, I've gone, right? I've gone on the same day. Right. But to um, piggyback off your story, yeah, I didn't even have my license. I was f- uh, fourteen. Mm-hmm. My barber had a Mustang GT mm-hmm. convertible, and he wanted me to wa- wash it and wax it. Yeah, the barber shop is like two and a half, three miles from my house. I start driving it. I get home. We have like a uh, an in- incline, probably like what the curb is right there, to okay. where it goes up off right. the street into the uh, the yard. It was a manual. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get in the yard. Really, I legitimately had to go inside and ask my mom oh my to, pull, to pull this Mustang GT, in. yeah, into the yard so I could wash it. And she, I mean, the look on her face was freaking priceless. Right. One, I don't have my license, shouldn't be driving, and I've got a freaking thirty thousand dollar car <laughs> that I can't get in the driveway because it's a stick. Which probably the owner is probably glad you couldn't drive it, or else it might. No, have he just get, he just threw me the keys. No, really, I, didn't yeah. even know. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Actually, speaking of the uh, last story on that, so I, I, I washed and waxed the Miata. And while I waxed it, I thought, well, while it's drying, I'll go ahead and armor all the top. <laughs> I was like, all right, it look, the top looks great. And I got to take the wax off, overspray, smeared. Oh, I yeah. ended up having to wax the whole thing again. Yeah. And I was like, all right, lesson learned. You live and you learn, uh, yeah. All right, so what did uh, what did college, college years look like for you um, in Cumberland College? School was mediocre at best. And where's it at? It's in it's in okay. Lebanon. Okay, that's right. Um, schooling was nothing to really brag about, but we had a good baseball team, um, and that was really my life. Like we won, it's NAIA to uh, Division Two, and we won the World Series. Um, wow! My junior year in '04, and so that was that was the highlight of uh, of that. So it was, uh, 
It was pretty cool. At that, at that point, like, I'd been in high school. I went in junior college uh, to the World Series, and then winning it there was pretty much like the uh, the mecca of it to where, like, I knew that I wasn't going to go pro. Right. Because you really, you really have to love the game to play in the minors and, and continue with that. Right. And so at that point, I was just like, and my mom told me, she's like, don't come home if, if unless you graduate. And so at that mm. point, I was just like, okay, I got a World Series. I got to graduate. And then, you know, that's 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 it. That's I can I can check off that chapter. Yeah. As, as far as uh, you know, accomplishments. So, so how was it? Was it was it fun in college, or were you serious with the schooling and everything? Yeah, Bu- I mean, busyness keep you out of trouble. Uh, yeah, I stayed somewhat. <laughs> um, it depends. It depends on what you define as trouble, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, uh, it was probably conditions similar to this. Um, coming back from this is really the only one where I got we got in trouble. Coming back from summer break. We didn't realize that it rained for like three or four days. There's a big field behind our, um, we call them commons, which are like the uh, apartments or whatever, dorm rooms. Mm-hmm. And um, we thought, oh, it takes, it's kind of like this park to where like you literally, there's one way in, you got to drive all the way around. We're right, like, oh, right. We'll just cut through the grass. Unbeknownst to us, like that grass that we were cutting through, it was just an open field. They were turning into a soccer field. Oh, God. And it had been raining for three days. So, long story short, the uh, little BMW 325 put ruts in the soccer field and we uh i had to pay about twenty five hundred dollars wow um that's we, a nice little car to have in college yeah that was it wasn't mine it was, oh, okay. it, was like, it was uh my roommate i was like you saved but a that's lot what, of money that's right? what we were driving i had a pickup i in to the last part of the story i had a pickup truck so i'm just like at a dodge ram i'm like oh i'll just get my truck and i'll pull oh, it out gosh. so i drove in from the other side realized it was too wet so literally there was one line where we drove in and then there was a circle at the top of it for me pulling wow. in and realizing that it was a terrible idea 2500 you 2500 said 2500 wow, that's yep. a lot of money in yep. i mean that's like a semester of tuition yeah i had luck luckily i had uh some grants and, and scholarships to where it just came out of that so it basically okay. it basically meant that like you know uh less trips to wendy's and right. stuff like that like it was pretty bare bones for that semester right right that's funny um, all right, so if you could have a photo shoot with a person or persons who had a huge influence on your life, who would they be and why? I've taken pictures of my mom before. I was about to say you got. I'll include your mom in this if you don't yeah. add her. Yeah, yeah. That that would be because for me, um, as a photographer, it's always a challenge. Like when I do portraits, I literally am trying to show through the image or the capture of it, that person's personality, not just mm-hmm. a um, technically a good image. And so every time I shoot, that's that's my challenge to myself to where like, you know, if I'm if I were to shoot your headshots, I would want like your wife and your kids to be like, oh, that's him. Like, it, you, mm-hmm. you know, your personality exuberates through the through the image. And so that would probably be the one because it would be a challenge for that because I, you know, with the history of, you know, her being my mother, for me to be able to showcase that to where you could just see her personality like shine through the image that, that would be that'd be the one yeah that's yeah. cool that'd be that'd be a good one all right so shout out to one of your favorite uh, restaurants and a favorite nonprofit and why restaurants i mean i'm like jacob i love the palm okay just because we've been we've been going there for for so long and wayne's a bartender there and he's absolutely amazing nonprofits i i haven't really worked with any here closely i've donated to a, a couple different ones like i, I just did uh a, a doggy headshot day and I, okay. I donated to one um 
Second Harvest, I got a bunch of friends like Jacob. I was telling you earlier, mm-hmm. like he does uh, work with them. So anytime, like they're they're probably one of the the biggest ones that I could think of off the top of my head. But yeah. I don't really have one that I work with um, on a regular basis. I just I just try to whenever I am doing stuff to where it, it makes sense, just try to give back. Um, right. Right. In general. All right. Cool. All right. So, what led you to photography, and what was your first camera you purchased? <laughs> Uh, years ago, I was doing security or a bouncer, whatever you want to mm-hmm. um, call it. And at that time, Facebook, you know, this was in 2012. Facebook was just starting to kick off and like businesses being able to promote and for people to see it. So we would hire a photographer, give him like 50 or 75 bucks and a $50 bar tab mm-hmm. to come in and take pictures. And I was like, man. This this kid or this guy comes in, gets to hang out with, with girls, take pictures, and he gets to drink. I'm like, I could I could do that. I took film in high school for two years, but with playing sports, I just you know got away from it and right. never did anything with it. And then um, so while I was there, the girl I was talking to at the time, she was studying photography, so I went out and um, bought. I think I think it was a D D five thousand was the first one that I bought. My mom had Nikon's growing up. But I didn't really shoot that much with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shot film, you know, growing up. But yeah, I, the D five thousand would be the the first one, and I stuck with Nikon for for years. And now I shoot Sony, and I freaking love them. So how'd you get? Uh, how'd you develop the skill? Was it just experience, or did you take classes when you decided to go for it? I always joke around and say I went to YouTube University because I've watched uh, thousands of YouTube wow. videos. And it's it was literally just, if I saw a photographer, like one of his shots, and I was trying to get my work to that uh, level, mm-hmm. I would literally just watch different YouTube videos on how to do it, like long exposures and you know lens reviews and stuff like that. And so over <laughs> the past five, six years, I've watched thousands of YouTube videos on just different things. Like even now, I don't... Um, I don't really watch TV that much. I'd rather watch, I've got YouTube hooked up to my flat screen. And so I watch YouTube videos because I'd rather learn something than, right, than watch right. something that's, you know, not going to do any good. That's and, pretty cool. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's funny because sometimes I think like when even there's certain majors where people are like, oh yeah, you got to go to college for that. And I'm like, really? You don't, you can, there, if somebody YouTubed it all, you could just watch it there. Right. Yeah. You know? Obviously, hands-on experience is, is the best. But. Yeah, and I'm a, and I'm a visual learner too. Mm-hmm. I do like right now. I would if it wasn't so expensive. I I probably would go to school or take some classes on Photoshop just because of how elaborate that program is, right? And and how much you can do with it. So if I were um, to actually take some classes, it, it would it would be in that. I mean, but I mean even that like just because it's more structured, mm-hmm. it's hard. Like when there's so much stuff to learn and the business is so broad, right? Um, it's hard to focus on that and then go step by step of learning each aspect of it. And so I think having a structured um, learning environment for that would, would be better for me, but yeah. every, everything else I can watch YouTube videos. Yeah. You can I, learn how to Photoshop broken windows out of a house yeah. or a tractor when you're yeah. doing the front. Yeah. I, I've got multiple <laughs> screens set up in my house so I can have a YouTube video on one and then have it pulled yeah. up from Photoshop in the other and, and literally walk myself, That's, you know, walk wow. myself through it. Yeah. I, I say that because he he went out to a new construction house yesterday to take a shot and uh, two broken panes on the front, a tractor in the front. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness! Hey, that's a fun. You uh, one of the one of the uh, 
in the description of uh, being a photographer, that's just a part of it. Right. You, it's all, you know, you got to be, you got to be able to do kind of whatever. So what did you think about the driveways? They were kind of, kind of yeah, tight. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of steep. Yeah. I love that it's on a hill though. Cause yeah. it, I mean, you, you've got, once you're, once you're there, right. you're there. It's kind of like you're in your own little oasis and the, right. the next door neighbors, they were getting stuff out of their car. It seems like a really homey, right. like a um, cul-de-sac where it's right. just, you know. You don't feel yeah. like, you can't really tell that you're in the city. Right, right. Which is nice. That's cool. Good. I'll definitely use that point. Um, all right. So when there are so many distractions to catch your eye, how do you stay uh, zoomed in to what is important in life? I, th- I think right now I'm, I'm really focusing on empathy. Mm. And, and can you, do they have YouTube videos on that? Yeah, well, I, I watch I watch a decent amount of Gary Vee, and that's okay. how that's he how he teaches empathy. Really, I, I mean, he talk he talks about it. Okay, and so it's just and and I mean, at this point, especially with business, I'm just coming to the point to where I'm realizing that like you can't be. I hate it when I see that like people that are like, oh, like you know, I I only shoot, I only do photos. I hire uh, different videographers to do my video stuff because. I would rather be amazing at one mm-hmm. than mediocre at five. And what would take me five hours would take them one hour. Right. And it's just better off for me to pay them to do it. And so, yeah, for, for me being focused, I think I'm just concentrating right now on um, on, on being empathetic and, and, and literally just um, providing value. More, so what more. is that? What does the empathy look like? And I, I inquired of that because that's. That's actually kind of I'm in the stage of going yes. That's one of my weaknesses is empathy I, in relationship. You know, I I think um, it literally just the the model of like just doing the right thing because mm-hmm. I look at it as like you can't please everybody, but at the end of the day, if I know for a fact that I'm I'm doing the right thing, I I can't be upset with the outcome because I did all all that I could, and so especially from the photography standpoint, it's just in, with that providing value. Because for me, it's it's not always it's not always about the money, mm-hmm. and so is it being empathetic with yourself, like kind uh, yeah. of having grace on yourself. Yeah, I think, and it, all around towards other people too, mm-hmm. because it's just one. Like, There's some crazy people out there. Yeah, there there is. <laughs> I mean, I try, I try, you know, I, and I, also at the same time, it's like I, I'm at the point where everything's my fault. Yeah, I, I blame stuff on myself, like because I put my I, I either put myself in that situation or allowed it to happen, and so for me it's um, and he uh, Gary had talked about that, and so for me it's like I'm finally getting to that point to where it's 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 painless for me to do that because I'm just like you know what like I can't control what somebody else does, however I feel about it doesn't really change anything. Right. So if I just put the blame kind of settle it at that i can move forward mm-hmm. and, and get back to being focused on on what i'm doing and, and you know um my objectives as a as opposed to just you know being at a stalemate and, yeah. and being upset or uh, or just going you know here's my perspective on it say if i don't get a deal if i lose a deal and i tell you if somebody can communicate with me like hey we're gonna go with somebody else i'm, I'm like I, I totally respect that and yeah. i can literally move on yeah if you ignore me and don't communicate like it dry it that's what really gets me because i'm like yeah. just have the respect to say you know because you know my perspective is god's got to bless other people too i yeah. can't get all the business yeah you know um but if i do you know i always look at it like all right is there something that i could have done better and then acknowledge it and because there's usually maybe something little bit that maybe it would have made a difference, maybe not. But then you just accept it and go, all right, let's move on. Yeah. You know, let it go like that. You know, let it go. Just sing that to myself, you know. 
I think, I mean, looking at it like that to where like, oh yeah, the process, let me, let me analyze it, see if there's something I could fine tune. But you know, at the end of the day, like that, that does irritate me too with the communication part, but I'm always trying to play devil's advocate too, to where I look at it and I'm like, well, maybe if I would have communicated better at the, at the, at the beginning and, and set the expectation, then, you know, the outcome possibly would have been different. And so Mm -hmm. I, that's where I'll put the blame on myself for not, you know, setting the expectation. And then at that point, it's just like, you just, like you said, not everybody's going to, there's so many, there's so many realtors, there's so many photographers out there. And so at the end of the day, I'm just like, you know, I only need a small percentage. Every single one is not going to go with me. And and some a lot of the times it doesn't make sense. Like right. I get asked if I do babies, like newborn stuff like that. Right. I'm very capable of doing them. There's other people out there that are better right. at it than me. And so I'm at a point now to where I'll refer other photographers just because I could go do it. I could make the money, but there's somebody out there that could do it a lot better than me. Right. And for them, because most of the time it's it's friends or either like right. associates that I have that to where like it makes more much sense. And from a value perspective, it's a lot higher mm-hmm. than it would be for me to shoot it and to make the money in the in the micro and move forward. So right, right. that's uh that's where I've been transitioning to, as opposed to when I first started. Right. I was just like I want all the money. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I you seem like a type that would. You know, even based on some of your pictures and stuff, like you, you love to shoot something that kind of gives you an, a fun experience too, right? A little bit. I for for me, like I'm all about the the moments. Like I can mm-hmm. tell you, especially with like cityscape pictures, I can tell you what I was. I, I can more than likely tell you what I was thinking, what time around what time it was, exactly where I was. Which but, one was this? Um, any of them. Oh, okay. Cityscapes. Gotcha. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's cool. I mean, it's funny because my next question is, what do you love about capturing a moment? And what are some of your favorite um, shots? I, th- I think it's literally just capturing it in a way to where Nashville is so popular. And I, I, don't, I don't know if popular is the right word for it, but just there's so many genuine people here and it's such a big city but yet small to where there's so many different experiences. You've been to Broadway, hundreds, millions of people have been to Broadway. They probably have never seen Broadway the way I captured it at five o'clock in the morning. In the morning, right, when, I like when, that. When the neons are on and You're it's You're like, really, there's no cars down Yeah, there? and it's completely empty. So f- cool. for me, I just try to shed a little light and, and do it a little bit differently to where if you look at it, you may be thinking or remembering uh, a different experience and, and something completely different than yes. if I look at it or the next person. And so that's that's typically like my mindset when I'm capturing things. I literally do it. I, I shoot it how I envision it and how it feels in that moment. And then I, when I put it out there, I just let the people take it mm-hmm. whichever direction they want because it, it, you know, it probably means something different to everybody. So, uh, butterscotch, what's that? Where's that? Where's that from? <laughs> um, I was in, I was in high school in a history class and, uh, teacher's name was William Geisdorf and his son sat next to me. He was a football player. Dude was like six, five, 260 pounds. Didn't really talk that much. And we were sitting, we always sat next to each other. And he looked over at me. This was like, I think it was nine o'clock class. He looked over at me right before class started and he goes, you know what? He goes, you're not really black. You're more of a butterscotch. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then ever since then, it just, it just stuck. And I, you know, I was always joking around and like, that's funny. Say when I fill out applications, I mark other and then I write in butterscotch. butterscotch. Yeah. And so, that's too funny. 
And so ever since ever since then, it's just been always just a fun, you know, a fun play. And with social media, it's funny that it just stuck. And so right. I just, uh, you know, I, I use it. That's funny. I like that. <laughs> All right. So um, what are a few struggles you've experienced in life and how did you overcome them? And what did you learn from them? I, th- I think one of the biggest, biggest struggles are just, I mean, is being an entrepreneur, like the, especially in the creative, in the creative space. When I first started, it was really, really difficult to try to continue something that, that you really love and enjoy, but it's so back and forth. Like, you know, one week, and I'm, I'm sure it's, in, it's like this with almost any business, um, it's just harder when it's creative because you really have to balance the time of like, you know, the business side of things, you got to dedicate, t- dedicate time to it, the marketing aspect, and then just being creative and not letting the creative side suffer. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that, you know, starting out, that was the one of the most difficult parts just because I was so new in, in, into it all to where it's like, oh my God, I'm still trying to figure out every every single piece of the pie I'm learning and trying to figure it out. How do I figure out the percentages that I should dedicate time to each one of them and still be successful? And so that was one of the struggles. Um, now I've got it under control because I, I literally like this week, for example, I, I've uh, got two weddings, two portrait sessions, I uh, new construction and my workflow right now. And I've outside of uh, going to shoot some stuff for Jacob after this, mm-hmm. I've got the rest. I've got the next three days of just set aside where there's no photo shoots. I'm just editing and doing the business right. side of things. To, so I've um, figured out that I have just kind of block out days and times and, and mm-hmm. make sure that I, I get it done in those times. And it, it makes for uh, a lot less stressful. So do some people do some people just shoot and let somebody do all the editing? Is that more of a team aspect or? Uh, yeah, I think um, there, there there's photographers that, that do that. I, th- I think I honestly think um, if I, I do it for for some, like mm-hmm. if it's heavy in Photoshop, I'll send it to somebody and, and let them do it because it just takes them a lot less time than it would right. me. I think it, it probably would will get to a point to where I will have somebody do it to where they call the images, they go through and, and they get it down to the the final like ones that are tack sharp to um, to send over for right. um, for them to pick from, and then I'll put the you know final touches and edit those just because that. Mm-hmm. The first part of it is the time-consuming part. Once you get to the final number, and you can just go in and, and um, my style mm-hmm. um, is is the the simpler part. You know Jason Tucker. That name sounds familiar. He does a lot of photography, um, and he does some. He actually um, he does some underwater shoots and stuff too. Kind of cool. And it, they would it, actually go out to the. I think he's taken some trips, you know, in the ocean and done some pretty it's, cool stuff. Underwater photography is super cool, but it's super expensive. Is it? Yeah. I mean, just the housing, if he's shooting with a, uh, a DSLR or mirrorless, yeah. the how, long story short, the housing for my camera is, is 1200 bucks. Okay. Because the for- camera itself is two grand. So you're talking about, and, and you know, living here where we're landlocked, I'm not going to go, I'm, certif- I'm certified scuba diver, okay. but I'm not going to go diving at Old Hickory and, right. and take pictures of, of, anything, of muddy, right? yeah, muddy waters. Right. And so I haven't um, bought one. I just use GoPros like when yeah. I uh, just went, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's super cool. So I was curious, the shot where you went, um, I think you went on vacation or something somewhere. You did that really cool um, drone shot with the resort. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did they use that for their resort? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that was pretty That was cool. when I was in the Dominican Republic. Okay. Yeah. No, I just, I mean, I just, uh, 
for me, I just do that just to showcase where I am. Right. right. I mean, they may have, they may have shared it. I mean, I shoot, uh, since I shoot so much Nashville stuff, there's pages that, that share, tag me in it. I'm right. sure there's ones that they don't. Like, I've got, uh, when it snowed three, four years ago, I was in the middle of Broadway and I took a shot. I made the mistake of posting it without a watermark on it. Mm. And I'm pretty sure it's, it's probably been shared at least 10,000 times. Actually, wouldn't a cool one look good right here? Yeah. You know, yeah, I can. We can do one. That would, actually, that would be cool. It's a difficult space because of this, but they do have wall clings to where you can just. It's adhesive on the back. Yeah. Well, so it would probably be something that I could just hang from here. Oh yeah. You know, because I yeah. take half the stuff down. Yeah. Um, I'd be yeah. cool to do something like that, and then maybe I can do like Nashville and Told or something underneath it. You know, maybe. I got a bunch of shots so you can pick from. Yeah, I, I was looking through a, a few of them, so I had to check it. I was showing my wife some last night. This um, is a cool size too because of the landscape. Yeah. I just need something cool to really, right. to really make it pop. Yeah. Except this is in a way, but it's still right. be it'll be good, right? Yeah. This is the viewing space when you're here. Right. All right. When, cool. when you're doing deals here. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So how do you hope you are making an impact on others? I'm I'm just trying to be the the best I can be, really. If uh I'm I'm pretty fortunate to have a lot of friends and a lot of lot of associates that I I, I legitimately feel like if I really needed something I could I could literally reach out and mm -hmm. and and could make it happen. So I think just really being a better a better version of myself moving forward is really it. I don't I don't really know that there's anything specific that I could say like oh I want to do this. I I think just being the best that I can be because mm -hmm. I'm and I'm pretty pretty caring person and give back and so. I think just being a, a better version and, and more um, thoughtful right. of that would be. Which uh, the cool thing is too, when you think about your, you know, being a photographer and given that you're all, you know, and capturing people's moments that they will have potentially forever, right? Yeah. You know? I mean, that's a that makes a big impact in people's lives, you know. Yeah, and that I think that's that's one of the coolest. That's one of the coolest parts when it comes to like working with people in portraits and especially like capturing occasions and stuff like that. That's the coolest part is literally them trusting me and uh, my style to capture mm -hmm. that that moment for them. And, you know, it. I think it'll be cool or super cool in like 10 years, uh, five or 10 years to where like if I see or I walk into a place and I recognize an image and, and I don't know this person from Adam, but we're just meeting for the first time and on their wall, it's it's one of my images. Right. Of, of, it could be family member. It could be cityscape, whatever. So that that's the the uh, the legacy that, mm -hmm. I, that I'm that I'm working for. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So um, how do you challenge yourself to grow, you know, as a person in all aspects of life? photography i know youtube is obviously a big part of it yeah yeah <laughs> do you um, read um i do i mostly articles okay uh reviews stuff yeah. like stuff like that i'm more of a visual learner so at this point like i i watch a lot of a lot of gary v and motivational stuff like that and it's more so most of the time it's just audio like i'll have it playing on one of the computers or my tv and i'm just listening to it like i'll have my uh, bose headphones on just listening to it for the motivational part and just mm -hmm. trying to be uh, uh life business photography I, th I think like literally just baby steps yeah just trying to every every day i, I challenge myself to nashville's hard because 
like we were talking about earlier, there's so many photographers, there's so many realtors. It's so easy now with social media to literally like, you know, with a class or with a certification or whatever, for somebody to be titled that. Right. And so I think um, I try to layer images. I try to layer my style and my brand so that there there's it's multiple layers of what people see and it stands out a little bit from the next from the masses Mm -hmm. and so that's that's my challenge like on the daily of being able to continue to be an artist and uh, Mm -hmm. um, a photographer well and i think another thing too is you do it full time so you can actually dedicate more time to your craft or even the fact that that you're willing to wake up at five in the morning to go catch a cool shot, you know. Have you figured out how to Photoshop all the cranes out of the skyline? Isn't that I leave them? Do you? Yeah. It, I mean, it's part of the. I guess it's part of the growth, right? Like, yeah. Well, I do mean, you have kind of progression. Like, actually, do you take like a month or every three month shot of the skyline? No, I, I I probably could go. I've shot downtown so much. I probably could do the tedious task of going in and time and, and looking at the timestamp right. and, and doing it. I, I think for me, um, you probably saw that one where it was like 2011 to, mm-hmm. to now. Yeah. Part of my thought process and legacy is I've been photographing downtown and the city for the past five, six years as far as like high resolution uh, images. I'm I'm excited for 2025. Yeah. You know? To be able to do the past 10, 15, you right. know, years um, and to be able to showcase that and in, in the, in the growth of it. And then and hopefully by then some of the cranes will be out of the skyline, too. I mean, I know I mean, you're okay with them. There, but there's I, not. I don't think there's, it's going to get to a point to where there was really? 50 like right, there was right. um, two years ago, a year and a half, two years ago. But, um, I mean, the way that it's going right now, like, it, it it's unreal. Yeah. If you don't visit a place for two or three months, you might not right. recognize it. And I don't think a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people realize it. I like the, I like the idea of literally like waking up at five in the morning and just going downtown because you know you got to till three and you got the crazies all the way and then it, you know, get the scooter and cruise around. You yeah, know? But th- I think the thing, uh, if unless somebody's done it, I don't think they really can see the beauty of, mm-hmm. of Nashville and Broadway and what it is because of. I mean, especially if, they, if people go down there with the mindset of like, oh, I want to experience Nashville. A, por- a big portion of that is just drinking and going to the bars. Right, right. But actually seeing it for what it is and, and being able to, like, sit there and actually realize, like, what it might have been before. Mm-hmm. It's one of the coolest things to go down there early in the morning because it, it's you've got bartenders that are getting off work that are leaving, um, finally going home. You have a few people that are up working out, jogging, maybe a, a police officer or, or two. Uh, vendors like Centos, Bud Light making deliveries, and, and that's it. And it's body, body Billups or whatever. He's on top of the high rise and we're working out. You, you, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a pretty uh, nostalgic time to go down yeah. there and just see it. I like it. I haven't done it. I can't say I've ever cruised downtown that time, but I, I, I'm going to do it. All right. So, do you have any fears, or have you had any fears that you had to overcome, and how how'd you go about that? I would say I don't. I don't think I'm not going to say that I'm fearless. I, th- I think I get nervous about uh, possibilities and, and and different things. Walking into things, F- fear like, no, not really. I'll get nervous and you know just in conversation inside my head back and forth of just mm-hmm. you know like uh, trying to talk myself out of it or, or whatever it is. But like self sabotage. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, fear at, at this at this point, no. Yeah. Jump off of you skydive? Mm-hmm. You taking some cool pitch, pics doing that? I did it in Australia. Really? I uh, know. Actually, uh, I bungee jumped in Australia. I um, 
I skydived here. I, I need to go again because I was hungover when I went. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, just get me down, right? Yeah. I'm I, At that point, like when you sign up, at that point, because a bunch of my friends were there, I'm like, you got to go. Like, right. You can't right. back out of it. Yeah. You have to go. Yeah. All right. So uh, what advice would you give, your, give to yourself in regards to um, relationships or business? Like if you could look back 20 years and go say, I would do this or that different. Or is it part of the experience? Um, to my younger self? Mm-hmm. I would tell him it's not all about you. I think I think uh, you know as I matured and got older, I'm I'm a lot more thoughtful, and it's just you know the world doesn't revolve around me. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's been that's that's been one of the biggest biggest triumphs as far as like just being able to excel and and um, making improvements is just changing that realizing that it's it's not all about me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably that's probably the biggest biggest one. Well, it's good. I mean, I totally agree because it's actually all about me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's why I'm here. <laughs> that my wife and I were having a conversation the other night, and we were just talking, you know, having some tension and communicating and different stuff we deal with, and and I was like, you know, I said it all boils down to one, we're both controlling. Uh, two, we have you know issues that that we struggle with, and I said three, it's just about dying to self daily, you know. Um, not pointing out your fault, my fault, it, but it's like if we take that posture of being humble and, you know, just dying, actually not daily, about every five minutes for me, you know, <laughs> in conversations, not about me, not about me. I was listening to a podcast yesterday um, and she talked about, and I've heard it before, but how, you know, a great communication skill in listening is like they, you know, tell their whatever they have to communicate. Is that it? Is that it? And you just literally keep listening until like they're out, you know, yeah. you got it all out and you don't say anything. You just listen and just ask the question, anything else, you know, which is so difficult. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, it's a great reminder, you know. It, it, it is. And I, I think being in a relationship uh, with uh, my girlfriend, we're both the same thing, both strong personality types. And I think that's one of the hardest parts is realizing that like hey we're in we're in this together i got to sometimes remind myself to take a step back off the the freaking podium mm-hmm. of like you know t- not necessarily talking down but like talking at very opinionated it, right? yeah, yeah yeah and and it's like cuz it's really not solving anything like you can i can get my point across or you know we can talk about it without that that tone and that posture like you were saying and it just makes things so much easier but the hard part is reminding yourself that that's that's what it is and that's where you need to be which in that moment it's oh, like like yeah. i responded something the other day and she asked me and and i was like no I was like, no, no, just to make sure I got it so clearly across. Yeah, yeah. But then afterwards, I thought, I'm like, God, why couldn't I just kindly re- respond? No, I really, you know what I mean? Instead of just like being, because it was about me, I'm like, there yeah. ain't no way that's happening. Yeah, you know? well, then that was the immediate reaction. So we were, t- I went to dinner with uh, a good friend of mine and I went to school with and uh, my girlfriend, we were uh, talking about it, just relationships and like how different um, girls and guys are. And so like we, respond immediately we were talking about like her and i had got into it about something she wants to talk about it right then mm-hmm. right that freaking moment i think guys typically are like man i want to i like i want to think about it i want i don't want to talk about it right now i want to like process my thoughts because i'm probably going to be reacting on emotion as opposed to like thinking about being thoughtful and and talking right. through it and so it's interesting um 
you know, us talking about it in that moment, I'm like, it is so true. Like they're like, I want to fix this now. Mm-hmm. And we're like, if we fix this now, I'm probably going to say things that I'm going right. to regret or it's going to come off as yep. me not like. Which is having that respect for those boundaries of knowing yourself enough to be like, look, like you just got to let me walk away. Yeah. And it's funny because like even in, you know, several friends and relationships throughout, um, like I've never stereotyped even either role because there's so many differences like you know we got a good friend like my wife's like the husband in a lot of ways and how they would react to that and the wife is like me all up in your face so it's just interesting how i think in a lot of cases there's not a set like guys do this or girls i think there's some general it's it's a generalized dynamic i think to how each side may yeah. react or, or what's comfortable right. um I, I agree it's not you can't really stereotype it and, and right. put it in a category it's just that you know it's a pos- high possibility yes that that's how the reaction or how it takes place and in, in that i would say mo- most most well i mean i am again this is generalizing because isn't it funny when we say most yeah when there's like billions of people yeah, that yeah, we yeah. don't even know anything we're, about we're just different going, cultures we're, we're just going with the majority <laughs> like it can be 51 I mean, yeah. but that's what uh, like you know most and i mean it, it's funny to think like how we could we could you know confidently communicate that yet like we have our little spear right of yeah, yeah. people that we know that you know you don't even know sometimes the depth so it, it's just kind of funny all right, so from the great words of Paul in Timothy 4, 7, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? Just that uh, I was a great guy and a hell of a photographer. It's just, I mean, like, good. if somebody, if I go and they're like, man, he's a good dude and, and one hell of a photographer, I, I succeeded. I won. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, I don't really need much. As long as you have people fighting to photograph. To photograph your funeral, right? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I photographed a funeral before, actually. Yeah, yeah. How was it? Um, interesting. Yeah. Because for me, I'm always when I'm when I'm shooting, like I'm in I'm I'm in that space, like mm-hmm. I'm in my creative space, like I'm processing everything. Uh, what's the next moment going to be? What am What am I going to mm-hmm. What am I going to capture? And so it was interesting because it was at the um the uh graveyard in madison the okay. um, yeah. to where they do like uh, he was a veteran mm-hmm. and so there was some family that couldn't be there so they wanted to capture so it was it was interesting i don't think i really don't know how to describe it yeah it, it was it well was i mean a, i can't imagine if you have to literally put yourself in it it's like you know if that's <laughs> That would be difficult, I would think. Yeah, because you don't, I, I don't, at, in the moment, I didn't want to be obtrusive, right. but I wanted to capture it to the best of yeah. my ability. And so it was always that, like, back and forth of, like, kind of just tinkering on the line of what, you know. Right. Uh, it was it was a, a mental uh, it was a mental challenge <laughs> more so than like a photography like really big lens and high behind a tree right I mean I was I was <laughs> I, I had a medium a medium zoom lens and I was yeah. pretty decent back because I didn't want to be right. I didn't want to be intruding you know it's a it's a pretty well, unique moment like I, I went to a funeral recently and um, uh, actually it was a a uh, a fraternity brother roommate was in my wedding passed away at forty in his sleep. <laughs> And at the funeral, I'm just like, if if I passed away or if Natalie did, you know, early, like, I'm like, I want a celebration. Yeah. Like, 
I just, I couldn't, if Natalie passed away, like, I think it'd be so difficult to literally just stand there for two hours and people come by and tell me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, like, yeah. I just, I don't know. I couldn't, I wouldn't want to do it. Like, I think I'm, I'm the same. I don't want people coming and sulking and being that dreary, that dreary place. Like, you know, it's like I had 40, you know, I mean, again, I haven't been there, but just seeing it, yeah, like that's, that's just got to be difficult, you know? And even people walking through, it's like, it's so awkward. Like, what do we say? You know, like, you know, that's why typically, that's why typically I don't go. Really? Yeah. It's hard. Like I hate, I hate funerals. I hate hospitals. Yeah, I'm with you. My I girlfriend in, works in the hospital. I just like, I just get an eerie feeling every time I go. Well, when I went to the ER the other day, um, well, I went to Summit to see a PT person because I got some shoulder issue. But as I'm going in and you're just seeing all these people coming out and wheelchairs and all, I mean, I'm just like, even being a nurse, like you know, you got to give them. I, I was thinking, I was like, I if I was a nurse, I'd be taking care of babies. And she know? works. She works in at, at Vanderbilt Children's okay. in, in the ER. I can't, I can't, I mean, she's probably mentally tougher than I am because I can only imagine the stuff that she sees on a, on a daily, a daily basis with kids. Then emotions of the parents too, you know? I mean, she literally has to deal with, with everything. Mm. And so just for me, like. She probably knows a friend of mine. Um, All right. So the Nashville real estate minute. How long have you lived in Nashville? 15 years. And uh, why'd you choose Nashville? I got recruited to college yep. baseball, and then I, I fell. In, I stayed because of a girl out of high, out of college, and then um, I, I fell in love with it. And after I started doing, I worked a few jobs. I started doing photography, and then I went full time. And I kept thinking about like I, I moved home for a year, but I wasn't doing I wasn't doing photography. I was still just working like corporate jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I came back and started doing it, and I was just like, man. This is, even my mom told me when I had moved home. She was like, "You need to go back to Nashville." Mm-hmm. She goes, it's, "It's that's where you need to be." Yeah. And so that was eleven years ago. Yeah. Do you miss the beach? We probably said that about Sarasota earlier, but just uh, in general, I always wonder because you know when we go to the beach, I'm like, "Man, I would love to have a beach house." And my wife's always like, "Yeah, but you take it for granted." I'm like, "No, yeah, I just love you the do. beach." Uh, my girlfriend and I have this conversation regularly because she loves the beach. She loves being around the water, and I'm like. Being from there, we never, we never hardly ever went to the beach. We went on the water for sure. Like we had jet skis. We'd go right. jet skiing every weekend, but going to the beach and taking chairs and, and laying out, like this is not something to do. I miss being close to the ocean. Yeah. I don't really, the beach has no effect right. on, on right. me. Just the ocean. Yeah. All right. So what community did you land in and why'd you choose that location? I'm in Hendersonville. I landed there because of price. I used to live downtown. And for, you know, being self-employed, especially in my craft, it's just it, the prices were going through the roof. Yep. And uh, during the um, slow times and winter months, it was just super stressful. You know, when one rents $1,500 a month, it, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And so I moved outside of the city that are cheaper. And now, you know, it's uh, it's it's easier. Yeah. I'm not a, Henderson I'm not a great out. location too. Yeah, I I love it out there because I'm close. I'm close to the lake. I'm, I yeah. I can walk to the lake, so it's somewhat nice. of that water yeah. um, effect. And I mean, I wish I wish I was about ten minutes right closer, just because the majority of my business is in and around mm-hmm. downtown Nashville. But um, I love it. It's a community, and you know, street lights come on. It's pretty quiet. I'm mostly older neighbors, and it's uh, you know, it's I yeah. like it. Cool. 
All right, so um, tell me a great memory that you often share about Nashville. I think the people, the people here, are the greatest memory, because mm-hmm. there's so many, there's so many genuinely good people in mm-hmm. the city, and I think that's what that's what makes it Nashville. And a lot of people that come here, I mean, it it really doesn't take a lot. Like, sure, people have bad experiences and stuff like that, but I think the, the people here, and which a majority of them are transplants, would have been here for so long that they're, they're you know, Nashvilleians. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very there's minimal unicorns. My girlfriend's one, but yeah, I, I think I, I think people, yeah, the, yeah. people. I, I like that. All right, so what do you look for in a good real estate agent? Um, genuine. That's it. I mean, there's some, there's so many. I, th- I think when you find somebody that's genuine, you can trust them. And it's just like, regardless of what they tell you or wh- whatever direction they tell you to go, you're going to, you're going to go or, you know, at least think about it because mm-hmm. it's coming from a good, it's coming from a good place. You know that, I mean, that's, that's how I base friendships. And because uh, if somebody's genuine, you can be comfortable. Right. And it, it has nothing, I think, especially nowadays in business, I think if somebody's comfortable, with you and who you are, the person that you are, and, and being genuine is a part of that. They'll do it. They'll do whatever you suggest right. because right. they they trust you. Agreed. Yep. I got a deal. I'm actually waiting to hear back um, by noon. We put in an offer on Monday, and first day, 24 showings. There's 14 offers on it, and my buyer, he's he trusted me. Yeah. You know, and of course we've you know. Um, built great rapport throughout the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I'm like, man, I feel good about it because we went super aggressive. Yeah. But I hadn't got word yet. So I'm waiting. I'm like, but oh, I think, alone. I, I, but that, for me, I, that's, that's one of the coolest parts is when you put, when you go uh, like balls to the wall mm-hmm. and you go all, you go all in and you're doing everything that you possibly can to right. make sure that the end result is, is positive and, and you've got, um, the client, the, um, the client and its best interests mm-hmm. at heart. Like the fruition of that and, and waiting to see what happens right. is, 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 is right. I, I love the hustle. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, it's part of it. And so yeah. I, I love them. Like, it's nice. I hate waiting, but I, I yeah, love the it's hustle. nice that it slowed down a bit to where every deal won multiple offer. But like the last two I went after were multiple offers. And one, they were actually going back and forth. And I jumped in and we were, we took it, we knocked them out of the way, you know. Um, and this one, though, it's, yeah, this is, this will be interesting because I threw out everything I could, special steps, appraisal, and all this, like, so if not, I mean, it had to be a cash buyer with yeah. no contingencies, and you know, that, I think that would have to be the only way. But so we'll I, see. I got a I got a question for you. Yep. Um. So in, in deals like that, do you do you ever get referrals, or um, do people ever transition from one side to the other, as far as just because they've dealt with you? Oh, um. Well, so you talking about like from an agent standpoint? Mm-hmm. So, or just reaching, or just reaching out to you because obviously, like your knowledge of the market, or just being, you know, of, of, um, their experience of, of dealing with you on that particular on that particular oh, one. Yeah, probably not this agent because she seems pretty experienced. You know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I always and that's <clears throat> I'll try to, you know, I don't want to bug her, but I try to build quick rapport. You yeah. know, because I and I tell them I'm like I'm about respect and about making it an enjoyable experience for all because it can be tension and. And thankfully, and maybe it's because I go about it in that manner mm-hmm. that I don't often, you know, find tension within agents, you know. Um, but I've heard some stories where there's just some that are just, you know, brutal. And 
And uh, I don't know. So maybe it's because I, I try to build that rapport going into it because that could be one little bit that could, and that, you know, nudge that's to part the of your, That's part of your brand. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. All right. Well, cool, man. Well, I, that's all I got for you. Cool. Anything else you want to add? No. All right. I think it was it. All right. Well, I'm not I'm not that complicated. Yeah. Appreciate your time. Uh, where can they find you? All over the place. I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to. Um, uh, what do you mean, like website? Yeah, website, right, right. Um, I've got probably the easiest is just devin-williams.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's got a, a variety of stuff on there. I've got a few others. Like, I, I'm so, I've realized that you have to separate them. So right. I've got pixelnashville.com where there's okay. just like canvases on there. And then, um, cause with Instagram, it's mostly like the portrait sessions of uh, women, like business, fitness, stuff like that. Okay. That one, um, I got lucky. It's nashvilletnphotographer.com. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. and there's some great shots on there for sure. All right, cool. We'll appreciate your time, Devin. Thank you. All right. Make sure to check out Devin's website, devin-williams.com. To see more awesome pics of skylines in Nashville, or I should say of the skyline in Nashville. Although it is changing, so it is many skylines because about every month there's a new skyline. Anyways, um, he's got some really cool ones on his website, and he also travels to some other locations and takes some uh, shots of skylines there too, so check him out. The sponsors for the podcast are the one and only me, Andrew Buckwalter, with Buckwalter Impact Group of Benchmark Realty. If you have any real estate needs in Nashville, if you're looking to buy or sell or looking for investment properties, make sure to give me a shout. I love doing the podcast. I love meeting new people. I love sharing the stories and sharing what others are doing in Nashville. But first of all, I love real estate. So I am here to help you. If you have any lender needs, make sure to give Brandon Hutchison a shout with Legacy Mutual. And if you are in need of a good title, David Weber with Limestone Title and Escrow would love to have your business. Next week, I'll be sitting down with Amanda Williams. Amanda is an awarded songwriter and music publisher with songs on albums certified at 17 million sales by the Record Industry Association of America, including She's Tired of Boys, written with Garth Brooks. As an educator and entrepreneur, Amanda is a successful business owner and is regularly called on to speak as a non-attorney copyright expert at government institutions, including the United States Patent and Trademark Office and the U.S. embassies and consulates worldwide. She is currently piloting a program with the U.S. Department of State called Arts Envy IPR, combining arts diplomacy and intellectual property rights education. As always, thanks so much for your time and listening to this episode on Nashville Untold. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit subscribe. Also, um, feel free to share. You know, that's great with all the social media. We love for you to share it all. Um, And again, connect with Devin if you're looking for some photography in Nashville. Make sure to check out the show notes for more details on Devin and ways to connect with him. Until next week, have a good one. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast 
at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time.